You're listening to the Hope United podcast, creating an atmosphere of worship, family, and discipleship. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit hopeunited.church. So as I was preparing in God, the Holy Spirit was giving to me what he wanted me to share with you. I started to think back to the first time that I came to this church. It was all the way in 2002. I was 23 years old. It was a long time ago, but I'm from the Bahamas. And so I come from an all black church and I went to a Pentecostal church. So, and I went to a Baptist school. So I was confused. Um, but the worship experience that I experienced was different from what I experienced when I came here, aside from the excessive hugging. Um, <laughs> when I came in and it was a multicultural congregation, it was something that I'd never seen before. I had not seen different races worshiping together. So that was a new experience for me. Also, the worship was totally different from what I experienced before. I don't know if y'all ever been to a Pentecostal church before, bless the Lord. It's kind of different from what we experienced here. And I was like, I like this. And then the pastor got on stage and I was like, well, nobody told me he was white. (laughs) So this was like totally culture shock. But in reminiscing and looking back to that time in my life, I was in a valley situation. And so if somebody had come to me then and prophesied and said that one day you would be standing on that podium and that you would be sharing the word of God, I'd have been like, you prophet lying, you missed the mark. That word is not for me because where I was emotionally and mentally, I could not conceive, let alone perceive that I would be able to have anything of value to share with anybody. And so when I look back and to see where I was then and where I am now, I know that it is because of the Sunday morning services that I sat in, the Wednesday services that I sat in, the small groups that I went to, the Bible studies that I went to, the prayer groups that I went to, because it's not a one-time thing. You don't hear the word one time and then you automatically transform into this new creation that we read about the washing of the word over time over and over again as you hear it it begins to shape you it begins to mold you it begins to correct you it begins to discipline you and then you become that new creation so i'm just so thankful and grateful that when i was being molded and corrected and going through the fire i stuck it out I stuck it out and stick it out because you come through as pure gold. That's what the word of God promises. So this is part three in the contrast series that Pastor Joshua started a couple of weeks ago. And so I'll just do a recap on the first two sermons in the series. In the first sermon, Pastor Joshua looked at the life of Jesus. And he said that Jesus looked for Areas where he could bring contrast to. So he sought out the sinners. He sought out the task collectors. He sought out the prostitute. So that he could be the light in their lives. And also what I learned in that sermon is that when there's contrast in your life, that you do not blend in. Jesus did not blend in. And if we have contrast in our lives that we can't blend in. You know, either they're going to seek you out because of the contrast or they're going to persecute you because of the contrast, because that's what happened to Jesus. Last week, Pastor Joshua and Esperanza, she did her debut sermon and it was an illustrated sermon on the life of Daniel. 
And what I took away personally from that is that like Daniel, God has called us to live a life that is counter to the culture that we live in. That the kingdom culture is a contrast to the world culture. The kingdom culture that we're a part of is a contrast to the world culture. So it's like Paul says in Romans 12 too. He said, be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed to this world. So let's look at the Greek word for conform. Okay, I'm not, I tried in the first service, so I'm not going to try to pronounce that. Y'all can read that and try to pronounce it yourself. I'm going to concentrate on the meaning. So this word means to conform one's mind and character to another's pattern. So while what Paul was saying to the church in Rome, the Christians in Rome, he was saying, do not conform your mind and your character to the pattern of the world. There has to be a contrast in you and the world. And if we look at the dictionary definition of the English word conform is to behave according to socially acceptable conventions and standards. And if we look at the life of Jesus Christ, he did not behave according to socially acceptable conventions and standards. Jesus was not a conformist. He did not conform to this world. And so we cannot be conformists either because we're kingdom citizens. So... When we declare Jesus as our Lord, as our Savior, our Lord, and our King, our immigration status changed. You might not know, but your immigration status changed. So it changed from whatever nationality you were. Now you are a citizen of the kingdom. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners... To keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your soul. The world wages war against your soul. The standards and convention of the world is waging a war against your soul. So as a kingdom citizen, we live according to the culture of the kingdom. And the culture of the kingdom is contrastingly different from the culture of the world. So we're going to look at three areas that the culture of the kingdom contrasts to the culture of the world. When Jesus prayed in the Lord's prayer in Matthew 6, he said, as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. As the culture is in heaven, let's pull that culture down to earth. So in the culture that we live in, in the world culture that we live in, especially here in the United States, I'm going to call it a culture of workaholism. That in this culture is work as many hours as you can, get as much done as possible, sleep as little as you can, because you will rest when you die. Now, I'm guilty of this, so I'm preaching to myself. So the culture of the kingdom says something different. In the beginning, after God created the heavens and the earth, at the six days of creation, on the seventh day, he rested. Now, God is omnipotent, he's omniscient, and he's omnipresent. He spoke the world into existence. He doesn't need rest. So why did he rest on the seventh day? He rested to set a pattern, to establish a kingdom principle in the earth that we have to follow. And ironically, yesterday as I was driving, I was listening to an audio book, and it's called Decoding Your Dreams. And it gave a statistic, well, a fact from the National Sleep Association. I did not know that there was such an association. But the National Sleep Association says that the average adult needs seven to nine hours of sleep. I said, wow, I thought it was four. Okay. 
It's seven to nine hours of sleep because when you're asleep, your body is regenerating cells. Your brain, that's the time when it catalogs your memories and store it during sleep. So if you're not having enough sleep, you're not giving your brain enough time to catalog these memories. And this, I didn't read this or hear this. I'm just assuming that's might be why you have memory problems. Um, so, so David said, he said to lay down in green pastures and God will restore your soul. He said, take rest and God will restore your soul. So it's when we rest in God that he is able to restore our souls, that he is able to rejuvenate us. But if we're not taking that rest, then our souls are not being restored. And as much as we see Jesus do in three and a half years, and he did a lot, he had, no megachurch ministry had anything in comparison to Jesus' ministry. He was raising people from the dead, feeding 5,000 with two loaves and three fish. He had, he had a congregation at 5,000 at every sermon that he preached. So he packed a lot into three and a half years, but he took time to get away and get in the Father's presence and rest so that he could get instructions from the Father. He said, I only do what the Father tells me to do. So he had to get in God's presence in the Father's presence in order to hear what he has to do. The second area is that in the kingdom culture, the kingdom culture says, honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God gives you. We live in a culture, unfortunately, when we become older, we disregard people as they become older because they can't do the things that they used to do. You can't work 60, 80 hours anymore. So you're not useful anymore. We disregard people with age, not realizing that they, their, their age means that they have a wealth of experience and knowledge that we can glean from. And we need to look only to the television and hear reports of seven-year-olds committing suicide. They're like, so, you seven, what? Your life, their lives are being cut down because we have not created or cultivated a culture of honor in the world. The third area that the kingdom of the, the kingdom of heaven contrasts from the kingdom of the world is if we look at Jesus when he was on top of the mountain and he was being tempted by Satan. And Satan came to him and he, said, and he showed him the kingdoms of the world. And he said, I will give you all of this if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, there's one God. In him alone will I serve. And that's the culture of the kingdom. There's one God, Jehovah. He said to Moses, I am who I am. And that's who we serve, the great I am. In the culture of the world, we serve many gods. And we might not recognize it. We serve the God of money. <laughs> we serve the God of success. We serve the God of ambition. We serve the God that could be our spouse or our children. And in the kingdom of entertainment, it has celebrities that we call idols. Like, and we have become so assimilated to the culture, the world culture, that we don't even realize what we're saying. American Idol? What is an idol? An idol is anything that you put in the place of God. I heard Osama Will Smith and his son call... I don't know the title, but he was saying he was an icon and it bothered me. It really troubled me in my spirit. So I went in and looked up and I like words too. So I looked up the definition of the word icon and it's a synonym of the word idol. So he's saying I'm an icon. So he's demanding your worship and we're singing along with him. So as the world culture is serving to worship many gods, 
But the culture of the kingdom, there is one God, the one and only true and living God. So how do we avoid being sucked into the world's culture when it's all around us? So we go back to Romans 12 too. The rest of the scripture says that we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So the whole scripture says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. To have a renewed mind, there has to be a contrast between the way we think and the way that the world thinks. You can't be thinking on the same level. There has to be a contrast. And since we're talking about contrast, I'll just give you the definition of contrast, because like I said, I like words. So the definition of contrast is the state of being strikingly different from something else in close association, the action of calling attention to notable differences, a thing or person having qualities noticeably different from another to differ strikingly. So in this, in this definition, it says numerous times, there has to be a striking difference. You can't be a little different from the world. You have to be a lot different from the world. So I think that this picture... My picture is going to come up, right, EJ? All right. (laughs) So I think that this picture here shows us what we should look like in the world. Not only should we be bringing light in dark places, and that's the contrast, we should also be going in a different direction from the world. The Bible says that the the road to destruction is wide. And the, the road to righteousness is narrow. So we can't be heading in the same direction as the world because our destination is different. Amen? Amen. Because we have the minds of Christ, our decisions, actions, responses, attitudes, and characters do, character does not follow the pattern of the world. Because we follow Jesus. Right? So we should stick out in the crowd because, like I said, Jesus stuck out in the crowd. That we need to be identifiable. Why do we need to be identifiable? Because people need light. They need hope. They need joy. They need love. And we have what they need. So they have to be able to identify us so that they could come to us. Amen? Sometimes to have that contrast, we have to have a different perspective. And perspective changes with point of view. So if I'm on a mountaintop, and I'm looking at a landscape, my perspective is different from somebody who is at the foot of the mountain. We're looking at the same landscape, but because of our position and our point of view, our perspective is different. So we have to elevate our thinking, elevate it in the spirit so that what we see in the natural, we can see by the spirit. So your position affects how you see and how you see affects your perspective. God says in Isaiah 43, 19, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it has sprung up. Do you not perceive it? So I talked about in the beginning when I first came here to um, a place called Hope slash Hope United. And the, the place where I was, I was in the valley. So God was doing a new thing. It was obvious. He brought me here. He was doing a new thing. But I couldn't see it because of the position that I was in. I couldn't see what he was doing because of I was down here. But as I began to be elevated in the spirit by the word here in this house, by worship, I began to see the thing and perceive the thing that God was doing in my life. We can't see the new things because the position of our thinking is in the valley instead of on the mountaintop. So I like this example that God gave me, the Holy Spirit gave me. So we see Moses. 
When he is on Mount Sinai and he's on Mount Sinai and he's elevated and the presence of God is all around him. And he was, oh, I love you, Lord. Show me your glory. And he's just in the presence of the Lord. And he comes down with the Ten Commandments and he sees the children of Israel worshiping a golden calf. And he threw down the revelation that God gave him. He threw it down, threw it aside because he got out of God's presence and he got in his flesh. And so he, re- he reacted out of his flesh. If he had stayed in God's presence, he would have reacted differently. This is why we must always position ourselves in God's presence because it changes how we see and perceive things. The presence of God changes how we see and perceive things. So let's look at 1 Kings 18, 41 to 46. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So the backstory is that it had been a drought in the land for two years. So it was no rain for two years. But Elijah said to the king, I hear the abundance of rain. How could he say this? So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. He bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, go and look out towards the sea. The servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time, completion. His servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising out of the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And soon the sky was black with clouds and a heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm. And Ahab left Jezreel. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. So Elijah and his servant, although they were in the same position, which was on Mount Carmel, they were both on the mountain, there was a contrast in what Elijah heard and what the servants saw. So Elijah heard the abundance of rain because he was listening with his spiritual ears. And the servant couldn't see what Elijah was hearing because he was looking with his natural eyes. So what was the difference between Elijah and his servant in this situation? It says that Elijah bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. He was in a posture of worship. When you're in a posture of worship, when you're bowed low with your head between your knees, you're not focusing on the situation before you. You're focusing on God. So you're not seeing in the natural. You're seeing in the spirit. And you can say, I hear the abundance of rain. Amen. Our perspective is different when we're in worship because our focus is different. We're focusing on God and who God says he is. So just like Moses on Mount Sinai was in an elevated position and Elijah on Mount Carmel was in an elevated position, we must also be in an elevated position in our thinking. We must have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is not like your natural mind. If his... if if Jesus had a natural mind, he would not have been in the boat on the Sea of Galilee in the middle of a storm talking about peace be still. He would have been like Peter and them, scared. But he could say to the storm, as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. It's peace on heaven. Let peace be on earth. Peace be still to the storm. So thinking, worldly thinking would have you to believe that God has forgotten you. 
You know, when we're thinking in our flesh, it's like, oh my goodness, I've been praying for this for so long and God still hasn't done it yet. If we look at the life of Job, you know, Job served God. It says, the word says it was not anybody as righteous as God, but all of this stuff was happening to Job. That's why I said, just curse God and die. And Job said, though they slay me, still I will trust Paul, beaten and imprisoned, though they slay me, still I will trust. John, exiled to the Isle of Patmos, though they slay me, still I will trust. I'm not concentrating on what it looks like. I'm concentrating on what God says and what he has promised to me. So when you have the mind of Christ and situations and circumstances come, you don't say, oh, God has forgotten me. You said, no, he said that he will never leave me and that he will never forsake me, that he is not a man, that he does not lie, that he is faithful to his promise, that his name is Jehovah Jireh, that his name is Jehovah Rapha. That's who he is. So that's who I expect him to be in my life. In 2010, I'll just share this testimony as the get off the stage music has started. In, in 2010, I was in a situation where I had to move very quickly. And I had like three weeks to move to find a place. And I couldn't find a place. I kept looking. And yeah, I couldn't find a place. Like in my budget. Every place that I looked at in my budget, I would not let my pet live there. And so so as I got closer and closer to the time, now it's two weeks. And now it's a week. And I still haven't found any place to live. And I am like in total panic and angst and my thoughts are like all over the place I'm like oh my gosh I'm gonna have to live in my car and Pastor Sonny Prophet Deborah gave me a word and her word was be still and I was like you gotta be kidding me I don't even understand I don't even understand what you're saying to me be still and I was like and that even gave me angst I was like how can I be still I gotta I gotta go I gotta move and so one of my friends said that I could stay with her until um, I found a place. And the night before I was moving, I was at home and I was just sitting there. And I finally got the word that Pastor Prophet Deborah shared with me of be still. Not like be still in the natural and not do anything. Be still here in my spirit and be still here in my thoughts. And I started to meditate on the word. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all my heart. Lean not on my own understanding. In all of my ways, I acknowledge you, God, for you will direct my path. And I began to meditate on it and repeat it over and over again. And as I did that, all of those thoughts that were giving me such anguish they started to dissipate they started to go away and I started to be elevated in my spirit that I could see that God is working this out on my behalf I can't see it it looks like this situation has surrounded me but I am surrounded by God I am surrounded by God so I go I'm staying with my friend she lived in Hollywood at the time and so I'm driving to work I'm on Hollywood Boulevard and I'm at a train track and I stop at the train track, and on the other side of the train track is a tour bus. And I was like, this bus looks really familiar. And then the Holy Spirit reminded me that a landlord that I'd had years before, he owned that tour company, that tour bus company. And so the telephone number was, uh, there was a telephone number on the side of the bus, so I decided to call the number when I got to work. I called the number, and he said, wow, I was just thinking about you. Really? Why were you thinking about me? He said, I have a two 
one that I'm trying to rent. I said, really? And so, so I said, I'm still like not fully grasping it. And so I said, well, it's just me. I don't need a two-one. I just need a one-bedroom. And so he said, so he gave me the address, and I was like, wow, that's really close to here. It's like 11 minutes from the office. I was like, oh, I could leave and come back, and they won't even notice I'm gone. All right, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> So I left and I went and I looked at it and I walked in from the moment I walked in. I was like, I like this. And I'm talking to God. I was like, I really like this, but I can't afford a two bedroom. So I go back and I tell him that I said, I really like it, but it's out of my budget. And he was like, well, what, what is your budget? What can you afford? And I told him and he said, okay, no problem. Can you pay $50 more than that a month? I said, sure. And that was it. That was it. That what I was looking for, I'm looking for a one bedroom or an efficiency that God gave me a two bedroom for the same rent that I would pay for a one bedroom when I couldn't even find a one bedroom in that rent. I've lived there nine years. He's, he's only raised the rent one time. One time in nine years, and I, and I just sit sometimes, and I think, and I look in the apartment. When I got there, I didn't have anything. That's another story about procrastination, but that's a different sermon. <laughs> <laughs> that I lost all my stuff in the storage. Yes. So I had literally had no furniture. And it was like nothing in there. And I sit and I look around at all of the things that I have that God literally gave to me. That people literally blessed me with. But it wasn't until I got, I was able to focus on who God is and on his word. And meditate on his word. And not think think in the valley, but think in an elevated position that then things started to change in the situation. So like me, you know, it may look like in your situation that you're surrounded, but I say to you, as Elijah said, look again and look again and look again and as you keep looking your spirit man becomes elevated so that you can hear the abundance of rain that you can see the cloud the size of the man's hand when you're in an elevated position when you're not looking in the natural but looking in the spirit when you realize that you are a kingdom citizen that you're joint heir with Christ that you are a king you are a queen you are royalty walk in that posture of royalty and watch the windows of heaven open and God pour out a blessing that you can't contain. That it's not just things that happen in my life. That God is no respect of person. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. When you change the way that you think and you think like the kingdom. Amen. Amen. I just want to seal this word with a prayer. Holy Father, we just come before you right now. We give you praise and honor and thanks, Lord God, that you've called us to be light in dark places, Lord God, like the worship song we sang earlier, Lord God. We ask that you fill us up, Lord God, so that we can overflow, Lord, into the lives of the people that you've placed around us, Lord God, so that we can overflow joy, overflow peace, overflow love, overflow kindness, Lord God, overflow generosity, Lord God, that they would know that there is a God in heaven 
heaven that there's a king on the throne, Father God, and that he is worthy to be praised, Lord God. Let us draw men to you, Lord God, so that they can taste and see and know that you're good, Father God. We praise you and you honor you and you thank you. If there's anybody here that has not, whose immigration status has not changed, if you're not a, a citizen of the kingdom yet, if you have not declared Jesus Christ as your savior and king, but you want to, I ask that you raise your hand right now. We'll pray with you. So I ask, I'm just going to ask you to repeat after me. One of the um, intercessors will stand with you. And I'll ask everybody to repeat after me. Father God, we thank you. We surrender everything to you. We acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Savior, King, and Lord. And we ask you, Father, to have your way in your life, in our lives. That you let us, en- let us enter into the kingdom of heaven. And we give you all praise, all glory, all thanks, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hope United podcast. Be sure to visit hopeunited.church for more exciting content.